This podcast is brought to you by Reynolds & Reynolds, the industry leader in automotive technology. Learn how operating differently can help you overcome the pressures facing your dealership today at reyrey.com slash operate differently. That's R-E-Y-R-E-Y dot com slash operate dash differently. Want to dive deeper into the topics you hear about on Daily Drive? We're offering listeners a special offer, 20% off a one-year automotive news digital subscription. That gets you access to all of our news, information, and analysis made for automotive industry leaders like you. Go to autonews.com slash daily drive promo to redeem. Welcome to Daily Drive for Thursday, September 28th, 2023. I'm Jamie Butters, Executive Editor of Automotive News here in Detroit. And I'm Kellen Walker in Las Vegas. Today on the show, former President Donald Trump criticizes Ford and General Motors during his visit to Michigan. And the UAW president criticizes Trump. Details on what was said coming up. The UAW may expand its strike against the Detroit Three this week. Also, how analysts say the strike will help Tesla. Plus, we'll talk about the proper procedures and safety gear needed to repair EVs in dealership service departments. There's just things that maybe the dealership doesn't understand or doesn't realize that there are special things that they need to do uh, to be able to even have those things on site or utilize those things. Let's run through all the news you need to know to keep up in the auto industry. Former President Donald Trump spoke to supporters at a rally in Michigan Wednesday night. He said electric vehicles would, quote, spell the death of the U.S. auto industry because they cost too much and consumers don't want them. Trump, who is the Republican frontrunner in the 2024 presidential race, said Ford and General Motors are, quote, either stupid or they're gutless for going along with government emission standards that are encouraging the industry to build more EVs. My pledge to every automaker is this. A vote for President Trump means the future of the automobile will be made in America, where it should be made in America. Trump spoke at Drake Enterprises, a small auto supplier near Detroit. He said companies such as Drake will soon be out of business if the industry continues to shift toward EVs. Drake makes machined parts for gasoline engines and transmissions. Employees there are non-union. To be fair, President Joe Biden's target is for half of new vehicle sales to be emission-free by 2030. The automakers have committed to a 40% target by that time. It wasn't clear how many people at Trump's event were affiliated with the UAW. The union strike against the Detroit Three is now in its 14th day. Some Trump supporters appeared in the crowd outside the event and expressed concern that the transition to EVs could result in significant job losses. Others were there to protest Trump's visit. Trump traveled to Michigan and didn't attend the Republican presidential debate, which was also held Wednesday night. His visit came a day after President Joe Biden joined workers on the picket line. The two politicians could be headed toward a rematch of the 2020 election. UAW President Sean Fain called Trump unfriendly to labor during an appearance on CNN. I find a pathetic irony that the former president is going to hold a rally for union members at a non-union business. Fain asks where Trump was in 2019 when GM workers were on strike, calling the former president, quote, missing in action. A Trump spokesperson countered, saying Trump has always been on the side of American workers. 
Just as we saw last week, the UAW will expand its strike against the Detroit Three Friday, barring what it calls serious progress at the bargaining table. That comes from a source familiar with the union's plans. UAW President Sean Fain is expected to appear on Facebook Live at 10 a.m. Friday to announce the next wave of plants where workers will be ordered to walk out, effective at noon that day. Talks remain ongoing with Ford, GM, and Stellantis. The strike began about two weeks ago at three assembly plants. Last week, Fain expanded the work stoppage to 38 GM and Stellantis parts distribution facilities across 20 states. He spared Ford in that round, citing progress with the automaker. Nearly 19,000 of the 146,000 UAW members at the Detroit Three are currently on strike. Analysts say Tesla is likely to gain from the ongoing dispute as its rivals become saddled with higher labor costs once the union settles with the Detroit Three. Garrett Nelson is the vice president of equity research at CFRA. He said Tesla's labor costs were already lower than the Detroit Three, and that cost advantage will widen when a deal is reached. Nelson said the strike is going to hamper the Detroit Three's ability to compete in the EV market. Tesla has about 60% of the U.S. market for full battery electric vehicles over the first three quarters of this year. That's according to an estimate by Kelly Blue Book. In other news, when September and quarterly U.S. new vehicle sales are reported next week, Cox Automotive estimates industry deliveries will be up at least 15% year-over-year for the quarter, with a seasonally adjusted annualized rate of $15.4 million, up from $13.4 million a year earlier, when there were 800,000 fewer vehicles in dealer inventories. The quarterly figures include an estimate of 1.28 million sales in September. Cox said the third quarter sales rate slowed from the 15.6 million pace in the second quarter. The automotive data company, nevertheless, updated its annual forecast for 2023 to a range of 15.3 to 15.4 million, up from an earlier projection of 15 million. Analysts said the UAW strike hasn't had much of an impact on sales yet. Meanwhile, used vehicle retail giant CarMax says its net income and total revenue slipped in the second fiscal quarter. It mostly maintained its profit margin on used vehicles, though. CarMax reported net income of more than $118 million in the quarter that ended August 31st, down nearly 6% from the same time last year. The company's net revenue in the quarter was just over $7 billion, down 13% year-over-year. And finally, Stellantis is appointing a new Jeep CEO. This as the brand tries to halt a long sales decline in the U.S. and prepares to introduce its first electric vehicles in 2024. Antonio Filosa, the automaker's COO in South America, will replace Christian Meunier as of November 1st. The automaker said Meunier will take a break to focus on personal interests. Filosa has been a member of the top executive team at Fiat Chrysler Automobiles and Stellantis since 2018. He joined Fiat in 1999. And those are today's headlines. Jamie, what do you think of former President Trump's strategy for speaking in Michigan at a non-union supplier, especially during these important times? You know, he's had some success uh, resonating with uh, working class voters, but it does seem like that has been in decline, you know, from 2016 to 2020. And now in the middle of a strike to be uh, going to a non-union supplier, that 
that isn't going to sit well with a lot of union members uh, and really isn't going to help him very much. Maybe it helps reinforce his base. That's clearly a lot of what he is doing, but I don't know that it's going to win him over a lot of UAW members. Gotcha. Coming up, EVs mean big changes for dealership service departments. We'll talk about the safety concerns and how to properly address them. That's next on Daily Drive. The auto industry's shift to carbon neutrality is here and it's accelerating. But is it enough? This is a moral imperative, an economic imperative, a moment of peril, but also a moment of extraordinary possibilities. No more hesitancy, no more excuses, no more waiting for the others to move first. There is simply no more time for that. Driving to Zero is a new podcast series from Automotive News that looks at the auto industry's roadmap to carbon neutrality. We take a big picture look at the environmental, political, and social trends pushing the move toward a greener future. And we pull back the curtain on how these decisions are being made at the highest levels. I said, you know, the, the headline that you need is, is GM believes in an all-electric future. And I think Dan Ammon and Mary Barra pretty much said the same thing, which is, is like, but, but we, we don't. Spoiler alert, they came around to that idea. Find out how and much more. I'm Jake Neer. Join me and Automotive News Executive Editor Jamie Butters on Driving to Zero, available now wherever you get your podcasts. Economic uncertainty, vehicle affordability, and ever-increasing customer expectations are threatening the profitability and efficiency gains you've made over the last couple of years. You may be finding the strategies you've used to improve performance in the past just aren't as effective as they once were. You offer online options so customers can begin the buying process remotely, but your salespeople have to rebuild the deal or correct it during the in-store appointment. You ask your advisors to be proactive about calling customers to get work approved, but still wind up with occupied bays and stalled jobs when the customer doesn't answer the phone. Your business office clerks are trying to process deal jackets faster, but funding still takes weeks. The strategies you've used to improve performance in the past just aren't as effective as they once were. Getting better at outdated and inefficient processes will only get you so far. Let's face it, Netflix isn't a household name because they got really good at mailing DVDs. And nearly half of Apple's revenue comes from the iPhone, not from the computers the company was founded on. These companies evolved as new challenges presented themselves instead of sticking with the status quo. It's time for a mindset shift. It's time to operate differently. Finding new and innovative ways to operate is essential to effectively managing the pressures facing your dealership. Visit rayray.com slash operate differently to get started. That's R-E-Y-R-E-Y dot com slash operate dash differently. Welcome back to Daily Drive. I'm Jamie Butters with Kellen Walker. Dealership service departments are sometimes getting mixed messages from manufacturers about tasks they want done and what safety equipment is needed when handling electric vehicles that are in for repairs. Gloriana Reeser is Senior Risk Management Consultant at Environment Health and Safety Consulting Firm, KPA. She spoke with Automotive News Senior Editor Dan Shine about how inconsistent EV service rules can lead to confusion and potentially dangerous situations. Gloriana, thanks so much for joining me today. Hi, how are you? Good, just doing great. So uh, we, you and I have talked before about uh, EV safety, among other things that dealerships need to be thinking about as far as you know, OSHA and safety and all that kind of stuff. And to me, maybe I'm wrong. You're out there in the field. You know better than I do. But when we're talking about EVs and dealerships bringing these in for repairs and maintenance, 
it seems what's it like out there? What's uh, how are dealerships kind of learning the best practices and how to go about doing this in a safe way? So, you know, what we're seeing a lot in the shops, um, you know, OEMs are doing a really good job as far as sending the very detailed information to the dealers. They're sending either service bulletins or service campaigns, service procedures, very detailed information, step-by-step procedures. And But when it gets to the dealer, the dealer is taking that information and running with it and doing it. But what happens is in that procedure or campaign, it gives them equipment, tools, personal protective equipment, things that they have to utilize, do, and they just do it or go. And they don't realize or understand sometimes that some of that equipment that they have to use needs to be inspected or maintained. Uh, Some of that personal protective equipment they have to use needs special training or special authorization to use. So there's just things that maybe the dealership doesn't understand or doesn't realize that there are special things that they need to do uh, to be able to even have those things on site or utilize those things. So um, there was something I was looking at today. It came out and uh, they were wanting a an AED on site to be able to do some specific EV stuff because of the electric shock hazard. So if there's an AED on site looking at, you know, is there, is there training, uh, is there AED CPR training with some of those folks? Uh, and then having the EV gloves, you, you know, if you have EV gloves, the high voltage gloves, those gloves expire, making sure that those gloves are, you know, up to date and current. Uh, some of the procedures require that hook, like that shepherd's hook. Um, that shepherd's hook does have to be recertified every couple of years. So, you know, some dealers don't know that. Um, But just making sure that, you know, some of those, you know, things that are written in the OEM procedures that they have on site, you know, it doesn't necessarily, because the OEM says that they have to have it, the dealer's ultimately responsible for making sure that they follow through with some of those things. So it's it's a much different game than in the old days of, you know, internal combustion engines and mechanic or a technician has their tools set. And they're just tools, right? They're just they're regular tools that everybody's been used to and known. But when it comes to EVs, there's all sorts of different things. Like you talk about the gloves and, and different things that, that expire. Technicians aren't used to things that expire, tools that expire, right? So it's 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 really the dealership has to be very mindful of, you know, the service director, service manager, whoever it might be, mindful of all of this that, that goes into being safe when it comes to servicing EVs. Yeah, definitely. And what are you, are you seeing out there as far as are they it's most of the directives come down from the OEMs uh, that the dealerships are kind of getting their guidance from? Yes. Um, so and then the other thing, too, is OSHA right now, because some of the EVs now, granted, we've been working with uh, like the hybrid vehicles uh, for a little bit, but the full EVs uh, are somewhat new. But, uh, you know, OSHA, so there are no specific EV regulations from OSHA perspective, but there are electrical regulations. So that's where uh, OSHA could cite for electrical regulations. And then there's always the general duty clause, even though there's, you know, there's no specific OSHA regulations, um, they still could be cited for those things. So they're getting their directions from the OEM, um, but they still have to follow, um, you know, regulations, uh, safety regulations and things like that. So. 
Are you hearing stories anecdotally or, or seeing it or hearing in person of just maybe corners being cut at the leadership level just because maybe they're, they're just not as familiar with the procedures or they don't think they need to put these special gloves on? Or are you seeing compliance mostly uh, falling in line with, with what's recommended by OSHA and OEMs? Well, a little bit of both because there are certain OEMs where they are saying that the gloves aren't required and there are certain OEMs that are saying that the gloves um, are required. So, and that's where it can get a, a little scary because if you have technicians that, and sometimes you won't have technicians switch back and forth between OEMs, but, um, you know, so that's where uh, you do want to make sure that, you know, the technicians are trained and they, they are, you know, know their different OEMs, but the safety recommendation is that they wear the gloves no matter the OEM. And that's where the dealership wants to make sure they're enforcing the, the safety training, the safety personal protective equipment, no matter the OEM. And, um, but that's where sometimes the, the OEM, depending on the training and depending on what they're doing. Um, and again, that's where it looks at some OEMs are when they, they're working on the battery, they may not, once they unhook the, and it's de-energized, they think, oh, they don't need the gloves. But if, depending on if they're opening up the casing and working on the actual components of the battery, then they definitely need the gloves. So, but there are certain OEMs that'll say that, oh, you don't need the gloves. And so, um, but the, the dealer, we definitely want the dealers to recommend the gloves. So there are different, OEMs have kind of different training or procedures for it. And is that just, maybe I shouldn't be shocked by that, but it seems like it can be really, it can be a life and death kind of thing. If, if It seems like there should be maybe one master list of rules and regulations and here's, you know, everybody get together and let's decide on you know, the proper way to do everything. But that's just not the case. So if I'm a dealer and, and maybe I've got, you know, multiple rooftops, different brands, how do I cut through the noise and figure out what makes most sense for me? And maybe this is you know, this, this, this one says, recommends this, this manufacturer says this, how do you kind of figure out what's, you know, what's the best way? Well, for one, your technicians will go through their OEM training and they definitely have to have their specific OEM training and making sure that they are definitely certified and have their, their EV because there's different levels of training that they will go through. But when it comes to the safety, they will, there's certain personal protective equipment and tools and things that they'll have. So recommending the gloves uh, at all levels. So again, if the, the OEM doesn't require it, you can still recommend it at your shop um, or require it at your shop. So your dealer can go above and beyond and require it, even if your OEM doesn't. And I've also seen that some dealerships, it's not just the technicians, like everybody kind of goes through some sort of safety training, even if it's the cashier, anybody who might enter that work area would probably have to have some or should have some type of safety training. Is that something that you recommend as well? Definitely, because within the KPA website, we have a broad overview training that talks about in electrical safety in general, because when a technician is working on an electrical vehicle, they are supposed to like cone off the area and nobody's supposed to go within that area. And so if somebody's looking, oh, like, what are they doing? And they just want to wander over there where they're not supposed to. So that's a training that you definitely want to recommend that you do to all staff to say, hey, if you see these, don't wander over there, you know, that kind of thing. So a broad level training of the difference between a combustion engine versus a hybrid engine versus a full EV, you know, an overview of, um, you know, all the different, you know, high level and then a high level safety of 
you know, staying safe around EV work and things like that. Yeah, it's just a whole, you have to be much more mindful of things. It's a whole new way of thinking. It's just, you know, you can't do it the way you've always kind of done it for the past, whatever, you know, 100 years. It's, 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 there's a, this is a new kind of machine there. For dealerships, what are some best practices or recommendations you would have to keep them up to date on servicing EVs safely? So we, we definitely would recommend, you know, when it comes to safety in general, uh, having your standard safety procedures in place, your emergency response programs, your hazard communication programs, all of your personal protective equipment, your hazard assessments, because all of this plays into your your EV program, your EV safety. Uh, all of that stuff kind of folds into EV. It's it's because if you have an emergency from an EV perspective, uh, you know whether it's an electric shock, um, it goes into your you know how do you respond to that emergency? If you have uh, you know some type of uh, chemical spill or uh, something like that, or, you know, anything, it, you know, it all plays into the programs, all the different programs, your personal protective equipment, your, your gloves are personal protective equipment. So that goes into it. Hazard assessments. So again, depending on the direction you get from your OEM and what they're telling you to do, it's ultimately the dealership's responsibility to assess the hazards at the, the shop. So if your OEMs aren't saying, they don't need to wear gloves. If the dealer assesses and says that we should have the gloves, then all the dealers should have all of these things in place anyway. So it's it all kind of folds in together. Gloriana Reeser is Senior Risk Management Consultant at Environment Health and Safety Consulting Firm, KPA. She spoke with our own Dan Shine. That's Daily Drive for today. I'm Jamie Butters. And I'm Kellen Walker. Thanks to Automotive News Coordinating Producer Jake Neer and Alicia Anderson. Today's episode includes reporting from our own Lindsey Van Hulley, Michael Martinez, Lawrence Iliff, Larry Velquette, CJ Moore, and Vince Bond Jr. You can get the latest news on the UAW strike, sales numbers, and everything happening in the auto industry at autonews.com. If you enjoy the podcast, remember to like, leave a review, and subscribe so you never miss an episode.